Welcome to the Slam Radio Podcast, featuring TMA with Nick Hamilton, Extra Dose. This is TMA with Nick Hamilton. Wake your goat mouth ass up. Ladies and gentlemen, I don't know what this is coming down through the audience. What look like he just came out of the basement. TMA with Nick Hamilton. You know what I'm saying? Thank you because, because now. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to another edition of TMA with Nick Hamilton here on Sirius XM Slam Radio 145. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you may be on this planet. Hope everybody had a great weekend, a great start to the brand new week. We have a whole lot to get into on this very special episode. Yes, I am back. I know I took some time off. One more again, because you know I'm out here to win. So I definitely had to take some time off, recharge the batteries, but I'm back. And I'm not going to leave you for quite some time. So that could be a good thing or a bad thing, however you want to look at it. But damn it, I'm back. Also back in the mix is my guy, Jake Warner, his government name. He goes by, ladies and gentlemen, affectionately known as the producer extraordinaire, engineer to the stars. Big brother Jake, what's going on, man? What up? What up? How you doing, Nick? Ah, man. I'm here, brother. Hanging like a loose toenail. (laughs) So I'm good. You I your, can't complain. You man. and your phrases, man. <laughs> I can't complain. Loose toenail better get that checked out, bro. <laughs> but I'm you, just saying. You're all over the place, man. You've been all over the place, man. This guy yes, hops off a plane and, and, and likes to start doing shows. And look at this guy. All over the place, man. man I'm back love. in the city in our lovely studios here in Southern California. Yes, sir. And a uh, lot to talk about. We have a very special guest coming up on this episode. Yes. So you definitely don't want you definitely want to tune in and stick around. We have Jordan L. Jones, the actor who plays Jazz on the hit TV series Bel Air on the Peacock Network. So we'll talk about him, his journey, how he's dwelling with the cast, and what's coming up for season two. So you definitely want to check that out uh, coming up later on in the show. But first and foremost. You know what time it is. Let's go. If it's going on in the world of sports and entertainment, you know Nick Hamilton is going to speak on it. It's time to get it popping. All right. So the last time we, we were together, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, there was a lot going on in the world of sports and entertainment. College football has been restructured. Now, we know everybody, we heard about the news Uh, about a week or so ago about USC and UCLA moving away from the Pac-12 and in the I think it's August of 2024 would officially join the Big Ten Conference now there's a lot going on with the Big Ten Conference because here's the thing now you the Big Ten which is which this was a very brilliant business move by the Big Ten obviously it was a business move by UCLA and USC to get into a bigger market and a bigger conference but also the Big Ten, because we know the Big Ten has Rutgers, which they had their, their foot in the number one market in that NYC, New Jersey, the whole tri-state area. And now they are in the number two market, having two L.A. teams, USC and UCLA. The interesting part about all of this is the fact that a lot of people didn't like it. Now, I understand that the pros and cons to this. The pros are, listen, more money, more exposure, no more late games because they're not going to play any more late games. So now... The East Coast writers can no longer have that East Coast bias when it comes to Heisman hopefuls and potential candidates that come from USC or UCLA, for that matter, because now they get to see their games in real time. They're probably going to have a lot of 1230 games, 130 games, 3 o'clock, 330, 4 o'clock, maybe a 5 o'clock game primetime when it's nationally nationally syndicated on the ABC network, on ESPN network, probably when USC plays Michigan or USC at Ohio State something to that degree, but you won't have any late, any super late games like they were in the Pac-12 playing at 7 o'clock or 7.30 uh, like they've done previously. And so that kind of hurt USC when it came to, you know, getting overshadowed by the, the Midwest, the East Coast, and down South, SEC, ACC, Big Ten. Now, what's interesting about all of this is the fact that don't I would not be surprised if – First of all, this destroys the Pac-12. It's over. Pac-12 is done. Say what you want. Pac-12 is done. And don't be surprised if Oregon decides to move over to the Big Ten as well. 
And the reason why I say Oregon, because Oregon is another powerhouse in the Pacific Northwest, because they obviously feel Nike, um, Nike money. They have top-notch facilities. They can still recruit big-time players. Um, they've competed for national championships in prior to during the Chip Kelly era. Um, so I think there's definitely potential there for Oregon. And if, and if the Big Ten, as far as the money, if this is a business decision, why would you not want to be in lockstep with Nike, a, a.k.a. Nike U, better known as Oregon, uh, to be able to have those recruits? Now, what happens to the rest of the Pac-12 conference? Now, I'll get into that momentarily, but also let's think about this. Now the Big Ten has, is going to have 16, potentially 17 teams by 2024-2025. What happens to the ACC? Because I, I say that because you got Clemson, Florida State, and Miami can all join the SEC, which is the number one conference in college football. Now if that happens, you can pretty much rewrite college football. Because if they join the SEC, there's only going to be two maybe three conferences now you say well if they join the sec what happens to the acc good question the reason why they chose clemson florida state and miami because they, they are all big time programs and it wouldn't be it wouldn't surprise me if north carolina gets thrown in there because north carolina has up, upgraded their recruiting style and upgraded their recruiting so it wouldn't surprise me if north carolina ends up joining the sec at some point as well as the fourth team that could join but what happens with the Big 12? We know the Big 12 lost Texas and Oklahoma, two powerful schools that went over to the SEC, and they're trying to restructure. It wouldn't surprise me if the Big 12 took Arizona, Arizona State, Colorado, and Utah from the Pac-12 and ingratiated them into the Big 12. Now, what happens to Stanford? What happens to Cal? What happens to Washington? What happens to Washington State? And what happens to Oregon State? Because now you got five schools that have no home that are pretty much orphans when it comes to conferences and how much pressure does this put on notre dame who's never been in the conference from a football standpoint and so there are a lot of questions there are a lot of things that are unraveling and i think we'll get a lot more answers as time progresses but i will say this much if the big 12 can snag those four schools maybe they may snag stanford that will reshape the Big 12. Now, they're not going to be a major third conference. I hate to say it like this, but they're probably going to be the Chris Bosh of the Big 3. And that's no disrespect to Chris Bosh, but, you know, you got LeBron, you got D-Wade, and you got Chris Bosh. Well, LeBron is probably the SEC. D-Wade is more than likely the Big 10, and Chris Bosh is probably going to be the Big 12. And then everybody else. Maybe you get the, maybe you get a restructured Mountain West where that, that becomes maybe Ray Allen. Who knows? But anyway, those are the conferences. And eventually, it's going to be two conferences. And, it's, and they're going to make this more a semi-professional type of situation, especially with NIL and the lack of opportunity uh, for amateurism when it comes to college football because college football has always been a big business. It's about damn time these kids got paid. And I've been petitioning for these kids to be paid since I've, I've, I've watched college football from the days of Reggie Bush at USC. And that bogus nonsense, they, that, that modern-day death penalty they dropped on USC. I always thought that, hey, if you would have compensated kids like Reggie Bush, like Matt Leinart, kids like Vince Young at that time, you wouldn't have had a scandal. Because if you're getting money, what is what scandal are you going to have? If you're getting money, how could there be a scandal about money? All these kids want to be able to do is survive and enjoy their college years and be live like normal human beings. Live like normal kids that want to go out on a date. Kids that want to buy the freshest shoes or the freshest gear. They want to be like the rest of their classmates that they're engaged with each and every day. So I'm glad that the NIL rule is in effect. I'm glad to see kids like CJ Stroud and Bryce Young get two and three million dollar deals when it comes to the NIL. Because guess what? They've earned it. They should have control of their name, image, and likeness. Not the university who pays these coaches who also get endorsement deals and force their kids to wear this type of apparel because they're getting a kickback from, you know, different apparel companies, different endorsement deals and things of that nature. So it's going to be interesting to see how this all shapes the college football landscape as it pertains to being a semi-pro situation versus being an amateur 
situation as it as it as it has been in years prior. That's why I said all this turning of these teams moving from conferences. Eventually, there's going to be two conferences. I think it's going to be somewhat called like an AFC and an NFC type of situation where you're going to have these D1 schools. You're going to have to choose up which 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 you know which division you are you going to be in. You're going to be in this division over here or that division over there, and you're going to have the schools just playing each other. Um, the only setback I see is getting rid of the rivalry type of aspect because, unfortunately, you're not going to have the same type of rivalries as you had before because they're not intense, uh, excuse me, intensified as they were before because of the conferences. But outside of that, it's going to turn college football upside down. And that's what I'm looking at. And I think it makes it better for college football, my personal opinion. Yeah, it sucks because the kids got to get up and they got to travel across the country. You're going to have USC playing Northwestern in the middle of winter. And I get that sucks because, you know, us out here in Southern California, we don't get snow like that unless you live in the mountains. But outside of that, in the city, we don't get snow. Hell, it, it, it gets cold, but it doesn't snow. Um, you know, if if somebody from, you know, people come to Los Angeles because of the weather. So now what happens to the Rose Bowl? How does that figure? Do you play, you know, does USC play Stanford if there is a, a, a big a Pac-12 or Pac-whatever at that point? How does that make sense? Now, I've also heard that SoFi Stadium in Inglewood is also petitioned potentially to host the 2025 Big Ten Championship. Um, and if that remains accurate, that will be interesting as well because that tells me a whole lot about how much influence the Big Ten has out here on the West Coast and college football as a whole because we already know that SoFi is going to host the national championship in, in uh, January of 2023. Does Notre Dame join a conference at that point? When I looked at the TV deal that Notre Dame has with NBC, their deal ends in 2025, which is perfect for Notre Dame to choose up with the conference. Now, I'm thinking that they're going to join the ACC because the rest of their schools are already in the ACC, you know, the rest of their programs, I should say, uh, basketball, ladies basketball, uh, baseball, things of that nature have already been in ACC. Um, so that's going to be interesting because guess what? They don't have to share any of that TV revenue that they have currently with that they have with NBC. If they join a conference, now you got to split that revenue. Even Alabama, even though they have their deals, they have to when they make the playoff college football playoff and they win the national championship, they have to split some of that money with the conference. So it's going to be interesting to see if Notre Dame is going to remain an outsider because I think now they this is going to force Notre Dame to choose up. They out here choosing. They choosing. And Notre Dame's going to have to be out here choosing. Because they're going to have to figure out, do you want to win a national, be eligible to win a national championship legitimately? Or do you want to be continue to be left out in the cold? Like an old, like old cat that didn't tore up the house. Because the thing about it is, you can't compete when you got other schools in conferences that are actually legit, that have conference championships. And then that enables them to move up the ladder into the college football playoff, which I also believe is going to expand to maybe six to eight teams sooner than later, because you're going to have to, because now that the conferences are breaking down and eventually going to be two or three conferences, how can you deny somebody an opportunity to get into what they call the elite eight of the college football playoff picture if they battled and won their particular conference or beat certain teams or got certain win percentage totals things of that nature it's going to be interesting to see how this all plays out uh i'm looking forward to it i can't wait for college football season to start i can't wait for 2024 because it's going to be a lot going on between now and 2024 slash 2025 when it goes down uh as jake mentioned earlier i was in chicago over the weekend uh, for the WNBA All-Star Game. And it, like I said, this was my first time covering the WNBA All-Star Game. I've covered this league now for 13 years, uh, various teams. And it was very interesting. First of all, the city of Chicago was beautiful. You know, Always we out is. there in the shy. Always is, man. Yeah. I love Chicago. Yeah, in the summer, summer what Kanye say, summertime in the shy. Yes. That's what it was. Uh, and it was very, I mean, got there early, went, um, covered you know the practice talked to a lot of the players saw some players um 
you know, the league has a long way to go. I think they're 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 moving in the right direction, but they have a very long way to go. Because I say that this the, the organization aspect of it. And a lot of fans were complaining because unfortunately fans were not allowed to watch the, the skills competition or the three-point shootout competition uh for various reasons. And a lot of fans who had flown out to Chicago from different parts of the country were expecting to get the full all-star weekend experience, which you, I can't blame any fan for. If I'm flying out for something and I want to watch, I don't want to just watch the game itself. I want to watch all the festivities. I want to ingratiate myself into the culture of what WNBA is about. And the WNBA did have some sort of fan fest. This was, this was their real first fan fest. So you don't expect too much because they're still learning about how to put on proper fan fest unlike you know the nba which they do a great job of every year because obviously they've done it for so long they've learned and taken notes from it um but the wnba has got to do a better job in ingratiating their fans they're trying to truly grow this sport if they want to make this sport and that a truly a national sport and this is and and i have to agree with asia wilson when she said this this is the most unified uh bunch of athletes in a sport that we have seen and at least in my existence and it's absolutely true these ladies have band together to put people in office they have band together to 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 raise awareness about social injustice about uh racism inequality uh bigotry um obviously britney griner and her situation um you know putting pressure on those in power in, in in political power such as president biden vice president kamala harris uh several other senators uh that are also involved state departments and what have you so these young ladies have shown that they have strength in numbers uh absolutely what they're going to have to start doing in addition to that is starting putting pressure on their own league because until they start putting pressure serious pressure on their own league nothing's truly going to change I know they have been working behind the scenes. Neka Gumake, who's the player president, along with other players, have done some that made some serious strides as it pertains to making sure that the, that player safety and player concern is at the forefront. But a lot of times they're going to have to band together and really, really put pressure on the WNBA and Commissioner Kathy Engelbert, who, by the way, I was sitting in front of. And the thing about it is, I never, I raised my hand several times, never got called on. Which tells me one of two things. One, you know who I am. And two, you know I'm going to ask you some real stuff. Because you can't talk about expansion. You cannot talk about expanding in, in, in you know teams in different cities. And that's all fine and good when you can't even expand to a point where you have all this money coming in from Nike, from Dick Sporting Goods, from all of these sponsors that, is, that are bringing money in and sit up, sitting up here saying that, oh, well, we want to expand franchises, we want to expand the league, but you can't expand the, the fact that you can't get these young ladies charter flights or private flights to get to and from their destinations playing games where they have to cancel flights and fly commercial like they on vacation or something. That to me is ludicrous and absurd and it's very disingenuous to the players who actually bring the money, bring the league money and are able to sit up here and say, Hey, we're putting our bodies on the line night in and night out and then have the audacity to say we're going to expand the games and say we're going to go from 36 games a season to next season. We're going to expand to 40 games a season. And now you simply say, oh, well, we're going to the WNBA finals. We're going to have chartered flights uh, uh, for teams that are participating in the WNBA finals like we did you know, last season. Well, that's all fine and good. But what about the regular season? So you deem it necessary to put these young ladies in their bodies through all this hard work and all this unnecessary strain and stress of getting to flights. And we know that they're canceling flights, especially now for those of us that fly commercial. Normally, they're canceling flights. So what do you think they're going to do with the players? And you expect the players to make the to make the demand of playing on a particular night that they're scheduled to play? So what if they don't arrive? Do they automatically forfeit, which could cost them a game, which would ultimately cost them an opportunity to be in the playoff berth? So that's the part that to me is still unorganized and still is not at the forefront. You talk about player safety, talk about player concern. Where is the player safety and concern when it comes to getting these young ladies chartered in private flights 
in order for them to perform at their absolute best. That's what I want to know. All right, y'all, coming up on the other side of the break, we got a very special guest, my guy, Jordan L. Jones, who plays jazz from the hit series Bel Air, will be joining us on the program. You definitely want to stick around your radios and stay tuned. You're checking out TMA with Nick Hamilton on Sirius XM, Slam Radio 145. Keep it locked. Yo, what's up? Baby, let's go. This is Tua Tungle by Lloyd. Yo, Sway Calloway. This is Spice Adams. This is Michael, the playmaker Every What's up? This is Grok, and you're listening to Slam, Slam Radio. Radio. Serious XM. Yeah. There are everyday actions to help prevent the spread of respiratory diseases. Wash your hands. Avoid close contact with people who are sick. Avoid touching your eyes, nose, and mouth. Stay home when you are sick. Cover your cough or sneeze. Clean and disinfect frequently touched objects with household cleaning spray. For more information, visit cdc.gov COVID-19. This message brought to you by the National Association of Broadcasters and this station. We are strong, we are resilient, and we will get through this together. But these are stressful times, and it's important to also practice good self-care. It's normal to feel overwhelmed, anxious, or afraid, but there is hope. Reach out to someone, connect with your friends, stay in touch with your community, and know that you are not alone. Learn more at wearebroadcasters.com hope. Furnished by the National Association of Broadcasters and this station. Good morning, amigo. But you I'm see, it's a bad idea to do that. I didn't Bro, cry during the talk. Good thing, good thing. You're going to be home today, so nobody can see you cry. But I was fine. I didn't even cry. I was like, good. No, but the silence afterwards is enough. Oh, and then you give me that puppy look back. You give me that puppy look you have. I'm just holding it back a little. Give good thing nobody can see crying tonight. I'm fine. Stay home. Privacy of your own home. Watch it on Zoom. <laughs> you, know, you can be a Richard sometimes. <laughs> Good morning, amigo. Weekdays, 7 to 11, only on Sirius XM 145, Slam Radio. Social Security is with you through life's journey from birth to retirement. As your life changes year to year, so do your needs. For over 80 years, Social Security has helped to meet your needs and is committed to improving access to the services that make a difference in your life. Today, you can verify your earnings, Estimate your future benefits, apply for retirement, manage your benefits, and even change your address, all from the comfort of your home. Social Security's online services help put you in control with secure access to your information anytime, anywhere, allowing you to spend more time with family, friends, or simply just enjoying the day. Social Security, securing today and tomorrow. See what you can do online at socialsecurity.gov. Produced at U.S. taxpayer expense. I'm constantly failing, guys. I'm constantly learning. It's not how you fall, it's how you get back up. There's no losing, only learning. There's no failure, only opportunities. And there's no problems, only solutions. So to me, what failure is, failure is the mother of all success. But I really get motivated when people tell me it'll never happen. That to me is what makes me get up in the morning and go, what's next? I love people to tell me no. I love people to tell me don't, it won't, impossible. And uh, the word can't is the word can. And the word don't is the word do. And the word won't is the word won. And in the word impossible, it's possible. What do you tell them? You tell them, you know? You know that, that all they can do is learn and come back bigger, better, stronger. Because all it's going to do is lead you in the right direction. See, if you're always winning, then you don't really understand what it is to win. You, you got to take those losses. You got to take those hits. There's got to be the valleys, the peaks, the ups, the downs. In order for you to, when it does happen, you go, wow, you know, this is what it's all about. On behalf of all of us here at Slam Radio, we would like to thank you, Pitbull, for making this dream become a reality. Slam Radio, what's up? From Enrique Santos, 1249, iHeart Latino. Hey. Ladies and gents, welcome back to TMA with Nick Hamilton here on Sirius XM Slam Radio 145. Make sure you follow me on Instagram at Nick Hamilton LA and on Twitter at Nick Hamilton 213. Very special guest joining us here on the program. He is an actor, creator. He's on the hit series Bel Air on Peacock, getting prepared, had a, a fantastic season one, being getting prepared for season two. 
You definitely want to check it out. He is the one and only Jordan L. Jones. He plays jazz. What's going on, Jordan, man? How you doing? Blessed. Highly favored. I just bought a house. Um, so. <laughs> Dude, I was about to, I was just about to say, man, first of all, congratulations on purchasing your first home, man. That's, that's, that's gotta be big, man. So what's, what's that feeling like? That it's, it's different. I mean, it took, it took a while for me to, um, realize it. It's hard, especially in Los Angeles when, especially as a, in a way, not a millennial, but just like young, you know, you, you see people and you kind of get stuck in this, this LA way of living where, a lot of people like it looks flashy it looks great um but when it comes to owning property a lot of people don't um kind of step into that field first it's like oh i want the car whatever the first you know whatever the case first and uh i had a conversation with my mom because during like the rail show uh that's kind of when i was like really doing a lot as in like uh, <laughs> like okay first time getting any type of paycheck and I'm kind of going crazy with it and I'm, you know, being Vegas with it and we're doing a whole bunch of different stuff. Uh, and this go around, I was like, nah, I think I want to take the right steps in a way to like generational wealth. You know what I mean? So mm -hmm. I was like, you know what? I'm going I'm I'm to save up. And the first big purchase I'm going to buy this go around is going to be um, a house. So I'm really thankful and um, I'm happy. And fortunate to have good people in my, um, in a way, in my background, uh, people who are just leading me the correct way, and the people I'm surrounding myself with, and uh, uh, I'm just really blessed to be able to say that I actually closed escrow, uh, and uh, yeah, it was in a way a long time coming, and I didn't I didn't think I was gonna get here, but I'm here. <laughs> Hey, man, that's hey, congratulations, man. That's major. Um, you know what E41 said? Don't buy $85,000 car before you buy a house. So, man, there it is. You know, so, that, so that's what that is. Because I, yeah. I need lyrics like that. Because sometimes I, be like, hey, do I really need, do I really need a buy, you know what I'm saying? But no, nah, I'm, I'm happy and this is cool. Yeah, definitely. I mean, listen, we've all splurged at some point, man. We got some new type of money. So, you know, I, I, we, I get it. You know, it happens, man. We, that's what we yeah. grow from. And if you didn't do that, you wouldn't be able to be in the position that you're in right now. So yeah. it's all about growth, bro. Um, definitely. So talk to me. You, you mentioned your mom, and she's on the Young yes. and the Restless. She's also she was also on Acrimony, yes. and that's yes. on currently on Tyler Perry's The Oval. Yes. So talk to me about mom and just seeing her and her hard work and dedication to the craft, but also being able to raise you and the sacrifices she made and that enabled you to be in the position that you're in today. Yeah, man. I mean, I, I talk about this all the time, honestly. And um, my mom was my biggest role model, my biggest inspiration. Uh, single mother, uh, moved out here when I was five. Um, and, you know, I don't want to rag on my dad, but um, I think that God, I'm a firm believer in God. I think God is a comedian. God works in hilarious ways. And, um, my dad, when he left the family, it was to become like this big actor. And uh, instead, my mom, instead of like continuing her career, because it's, it's what people don't understand too, is that like, unless you're Denzel, you know, Leonardo DiCaprio, whatever the case is, you, and you're not auditioning anymore, this acting field is very hit or miss. Mm -hmm. Where it's like, you can be on something and then not, and then, you know, it's just not, it's stable income. <laughs> if you if you stably acted if you know what i mean and so at the at the time my mom wasn't on that level and so it was a hard in a way an ego challenge to stop doing that and like do things like you know she was substitute teacher motivational speaker doing all these things um just to get me in the right you know position so putting me through private school putting me um through things like michael jordan camp and like just a whole bunch of stuff that really we couldn't afford but she wanted me to have the best upbringing. And in order to do that, I had to sacrifice. And right when I graduated USC is kind of when she started going back. And then ever since then, me and my mom have been booming. And I think it's just funny. And the, the lesson there is that like, it doesn't matter what you do. Like my dad has had like this kind of big head start. And at the end of the day, it's kind of like, God's not gonna reward you if you don't do the right things. Mm -hmm. And uh, I think my mom was a perfect testament to that. Just in this in this whole tumultuous journey, 
um, you know, going through obviously ups and downs and like not having it when we were growing up, when I was growing up and uh, just doing a lot of extra things, um, maybe things that she don't want to do in order for me to, you know, get to where I'm, I'm, I was trying to go. And she's a big inspiration for me, especially when, like I said, in this field is, it's hard sometimes, you know, you feel like you deserve a lot of things. Um, uh, after like the rail show, I think that was one of my hardest times because I wasn't, you know, I was going on from being TV every single week. And then, you know, it was different. Guest star here, guest star there. My friends and stuff think, you know, oh my God, that's great. I saw you on TV yesterday, but for me, I know when the last time I worked was. So, it, going through a journey, it's not like I ever wanted to quit. But there's times where it gets hard when you're just like, man, I just killed this audition. They just said yes. They just said they love me and all this stuff and I never heard back from us. It's like, man. But that's the journey. And I think my mom was a great role model for me to have where I was like, my mom didn't quit. And she told me this journey was going to be hard and this and this. Like, what type of man are you? You know? And uh, I'm glad I stuck it out. Like, like I said, I wasn't going to quit, but it was hard. And I'm glad that I never got to a point where it was like, this is too much and I don't want to do what I love anymore. I just kept the faith, you know? I, I got my mom, I got God. So I knew I was going to be okay, just win. And uh, <laughs> now, <laughs> now I'm here, man. Yeah, and now you're here, man. Started from the bottom, now we're here. Yeah, um, I got a chance to meet your mom, lovely lady at the uh, Daytime Emmys a while back, <laughs> along with yourself. Um, so I can see exactly what you're talking about yeah, um, when you guys have that bond. And you talked about going to USC. And another star that also went to USC around the same time was Sweetie. But what was your experience like being at USC? And when did, when did you determine that, hey, this is the this is the lane I want to go in as far as being an actor and and being in in these these type of creative roles. Yeah, well, I mean, at first it was I went to U of A, and I knew that U of A didn't have any good like theater programs, and they were party school. You know, it's a party school. Mm-hmm. It just is what it is. And even in doing that, that party stuff, it was cool and it's fun, and college experience was great. I knew I wanted to be in entertainment. So I didn't get into USC at first, like completely declined, but I knew it was going to be easier to transfer. So when I mm-hmm. went to Arizona, I knew off the bat that like I wanted to transfer to USC. So people there, my friends, they knew I was going to stay long. And I uh, <laughs> and I transferred to USC and I still didn't know specifically what I wanted to do. If it was going to be stand-up comedy, acting, writing, whatever the case was. And when I got there, I was like, I don't even want to say big on Snapchat, but the people that like looked at me on Snapchat, <laughs> they thought I was hilarious. They, they uh, like a lot of my friends were like, hey man, you should be TV, you should be doing this, you should be doing that. And I was like, okay, I never really took any steps toward it. Um, but I told my mom and she was like, well, you know, I have a friend who's like a manager. She can put you on certain auditions, stuff like that. But the thing is, when you go to SC too, it's not like you can, Miss classes and stuff like that. Like, mm-hmm. And so, okay, you have an audition tomorrow at five. It's like, I can't go. Like, I got a class that time. Or like, I got a final or, you know, anything like that. So uh, I think that was hard. Um, but a lot of people assume that, like, I majored in theater. And I did. Like, I never majored in theater or anything. I just kind of, um, in a way, natural acting jobs. Uh, <laughs> when I, when I, Got out of SC. I started like kind of taking acting classes, um, but like my agents and my managers, they actually and I promise they actually don't like when I take acting classes because they don't want. They said that I have like this natural thing, in in the way that I act. That they didn't want too many techniques and certain things to kind of change what makes me me, and so I completely understood that. Um, and I'm not saying I don't take classes and stuff like that, but I'm just I'm just saying that sometimes I don't like to take too many classes because I don't want to. Sometimes you have something already, and when you're too in your head and stuff like that, then mm-hmm. you, you know you kind of take away what makes you differentiate from other actors, and that's the whole purpose. So um, after I graduated SC, I was like taking classes, but I was also like a PA um, for a show called Home and Family. And the craziest thing about that is that. My journey was, I was being a PA, so I was like scrubbing trailers. I was doing all the dirty work and all this stuff. But I knew that like one day I was, I was going to be in this field. Like I was really going to be an actor. And when I, the craziest thing is full circle. There's a scene in Bel Air where 
we actually, what is the influencer house? Um, when I'm walking in with Hillary and I'm trying to take her step away from uh, the influencer house and that same exact kitchen and everything is the same kitchen where I was PA and I was uh, wow. cleaning dishes and I was doing all that stuff and I had to take a moment and Matthew Cherry, he was directing that episode and he was like, are you good? Because we're doing rehearsal. I was like, man, I need a minute. And I kind of made like a little video where I was like, hey man, anybody who you know who has a dream and i don't want to be corny or anything but anybody who has a dream i'm not saying that you know i'm not going to say like oh yeah all your dreams will come true but i'll say that stick with it you never know how your life is going to turn out you, ne you never know i never knew when i was working as a pa and i was scrubbing trailers and i was doing crafty and i was doing all these crazy things um working crazy hours not getting paid like that to be actually doing my dream in the same exact place where like I envisioned it, it was so surreal and crazy. Uh, so sorry I went like on a kind of right like rant. Oh man. <laughs> that's cool, man. I mean that's what that's what people need to hear, man, because the thing about it is we we see the Instagram hype, right? Like yeah. everybody has this luxurious life and nothing is going wrong and everything is, you know, fruitful and multiplying and everything like that. But yeah. we don't see like the grind, like nobody wants to rarely show you the grind and the grit and where you came from. And bro, you talk about scrubbing trailers. You talked about just going. I mean, I'm sure you had to. I'm sure you got cussed at. I'm sure you were disrespected. Oh, and that's a lot. That's a lot, bro. A hundred percent, definitely. You know, obviously, I'm not gonna say no names, but just how, just in a way, kind of, kind of like you know, you you putting in your work. So like, it's, it was one of those things where like you knew it was gonna happen. Because you're at the bottom of the, of the totem pole, and that's the right thing. But you're at the bottom of the whole thing. Um, and so people talking to, you know, certain celebrities walking in, like, oh, I asked only for sparkling water. Why is there still water in my tray? Like, dude, like, you know what I mean? And I take that with me, too. So, like, even with our PAs on the show, it's like, if they're like, hey, can I get you a water? Or can I make you? I'll be like, no, just, just tell me where it is, dude. I'm not tripping. Like, I'll go get a water. It's not that big, <laughs> big of a deal to me. But, um, I think I think the best part about in everybody's journey, my, mine, I'll just say for this, mm -hmm. like certain things you don't know what it's going to teach you till you get to a certain point, and then s sometimes people love you for the way in a way you become. So for my example, is that I, you know, I feel like I'm really down to earth when it comes to this, man. I've, I've gone through so many things, single parent, like I said, PA. Um, live from like paycheck to paycheck you know what i mean so like i understand how like the, the grind nothing's changed like my mentality hasn't changed and so uh there's certain people who are like oh, like you know what like why are you in a way acting like that you know what i mean as in like i don't want to say humble because i i have this thing where i feel like if you say you're humble a lot you know i don't think <laughs> you shouldn't say you're humble a lot if you're humble just let other people speak for you but mm -hmm. i'll say that i think that i'm pretty down to earth guy and when it comes to certain things that um even certain pas would be like are you sure it's about them like yeah dude like just tell me what the water is like if you want to sit chill talk come on let's do that so sometimes they're like surprised and i'm like nah man at the end of the day we we all humans like <laughs> i'm not treating nobody different than hey all I, all I say i mean i've always said that too whenever i get into that position or if i have to have pas around or assistants or what have you to always treat them with respect because the one thing i i remember uh, Dr. Jerry Buss, you know, rest in peace to him, that's the Lakers owner. Um, he used to always talk to everybody and treat everybody with respect from the custodian all the way up to the big executive. And that's something yeah. that resonated with me personally, just like, wow, this dude is worth like millions, if not billions yes. of dollars. And he's talking to like guys that are like hourly wages, like treating yeah. them like they're executives. And that's something that stuck with me. And I know that's how you are yeah. um, when it comes to just <laughs> treating people. I mean, I walked up on you and I'm just like, okay, that's how you're going to be cool. You know, because sometimes you never know, man, because, you know, sometimes, and I've met a lot of cool people, and but there's also been some folks that you, you're you like, yeah. really, dude? Like, yeah, trust me. Really? <laughs> I've seen you on four episodes, bro, in your entire career. You just yeah, don't act like this? Like, okay. Like, relax, you know what I mean? <laughs> right. <laughs> but, like, you know, we. I feel like we're all human beings, and at the end of the day, like my mama says, we all gotta pee and bleed. So you know, we all you ain't you ain't that you ain't that much different. So um, I'm glad the things that I went through in my life mm -hmm. um, 
in a way made me who I am and uh, just just happy and blessed that I'm, you know, I'm blessed for this opportunity um, that God has given me, but also kind of blessed for the person that I've become. Absolutely. Now, I remember seeing you on Snowfall. You go from one iconic series to now a new iconic series in Bel Air on Peacock. And talk to me about getting that role as jazz. And then how did you prepare for it? Uh, okay, great question. I mean, getting the role, I always say this too. Man, I actually, when I first uh, got the audition, I turned it down. And I turned it down because Fresh Prince is such an iconic show, um, a show that's still on, that I still watch every day. Um, still um, relevant. Like the things that they go through is still relevant. And it's a sitcom, obviously. So when I first got the audition, it was, yo, Jordan, we got this audition for you to play jazz at the new Bel Air. Or no, the new Fresh Prince. And I was like, fuck no, I'm not doing this. <laughs> like, no, I'm not doing this. I was so we can so we can butcher the best show ever created. <laughs> and then people be like, you're the guy who was a part of butcher, you know. Um, but then my manager was like, no, nah, I can't let you turn this down. So I read the script and I was like, wait, this is crazy. Like, this is actually so, so different. Um, and then what you don't want to do, so now it's the opposite. At first I go from turning it down to now I'm getting attached to it. As an actor, one of the things that is a good technique, not everybody does it, but the majority of actors do this. We're like, when we audition for stuff, like after we audition, we like, we like throw it away. Like mentally we throw it away. We forget that the audition, like we had it. Because if you stay connected to it and attached to it and you don't get it, it's just, it's cause for more sadness. And, it's, you know, it's just, you have to move on in a way. Uh, so you can get the next thing. You're still attached to it. Now you realize, uh, you're still attached to this or you're so attached to a role and you don't get it. The letdown is so much harder than you being like, oh, you're like understanding the journey or whatever the case is. So the opposite happened for this. I usually do that. But then once I started auditioning, and my mom was even like, oh, you'd be a cool jazz. And this girl I was talking to at the time was like, oh, you'd be a great jazz. And I went to the audition and with this, you know, COVID thing, um, the people who are self-taping me were like, mm -hmm. dude, you'd be a great jazz. And I'm like, okay, so now I'm jazz in my head. <laughs> you know what I mean? I'm like, no, I can take this from you, whatever. And, um, Nah, I'm not gonna tell that story. But long story short, end up getting the role. Um, great, great moment. Fly with my mom. Uh, thought I didn't get it just because of the way Morgan um, directed. I, whatever, I'll tell this story. Sorry, if you have the time. All right. Find out what he has to say about this. Stick around. We'll be right back after these messages. You're checking out TMA with Nick Hamilton here on Sirius XM, Slam Radio 145. Keep it locked. This is SiriusXM 145 Slam Radio. There are everyday actions to help prevent the spread of respiratory diseases. Wash your hands. Avoid close contact with people who are sick. Avoid touching your eyes, nose, and mouth. Stay home when you are sick. Cover your cough or sneeze. Clean and disinfect frequently touched objects with household cleaning spray. For more information, visit cdc.gov slash COVID-19. This message brought to you by the National Association of Broadcasters and this station. We are strong, we are resilient, and we will get through this together. But these are stressful times, and it's important to also practice good self-care. It's normal to feel overwhelmed, anxious, or afraid, but there is hope. Reach out to someone, connect with your friends, stay in touch with your community and know that you are not alone. Learn more at wearebroadcasters.com slash hope. Furnished by the National Association of Broadcasters and this station. Good morning, amigo. But you I'm see what's a bad idea to do that? I didn't Bro, cry during the talk. Good thing, good thing you're going to be home today so nobody can see you cry. But I was fine. I didn't even cry. I was like, good. No, but the silence afterwards is enough. Oh, and then you give me that puppy look. Back. You give me that puppy look you have. I'm just holding it back a little. Good thing nobody can see you crying tonight. I'm fine. Stay home. Privacy of your own home. Watch it on Zoom. <laughs> you, know, you can be a Richard sometimes. <laughs> 
Good morning, amigo. Weekdays, 7 to 11, only on Sirius XM 145 Slam Radio. Social Security is with you through life's journey from birth to retirement. As your life changes year to year, so do your needs. For over 80 years, Social Security has helped to meet your needs and is committed to improving access to the services that make a difference in your life. Today, you can verify your earnings, estimate your future benefits, apply for retirement, manage your benefits, and even change your address, all from the comfort of your home. Social Security's online services help put you in control with secure access to your information anytime, anywhere, allowing you to spend more time with family, friends, or simply just enjoying the day. Social Security, securing today and tomorrow. See what you can do online at socialsecurity.gov. Produced at U.S. taxpayer expense. I'm constantly failing, guys. I'm constantly learning. It's not how you fall, it's how you get back up. There's no losing, only learning. There's no failure, only opportunities. And there's no problems, only solutions. So to me, what failure is, failure is the mother of all success. But I really get motivated when people tell me it'll never happen. That, that to me is what makes me get up in the morning and go, what's next? I love people to tell me no. I love people to tell me don't, it won't, impossible. And uh, the word can't is the word can. And the word don't is the word do. And the word won't is the word one. And in the word impossible, it's possible. What do you tell them? You tell them, you know, you know that, that all they can do is learn and come back bigger, better, stronger, because all it's going to do is lead you in the right direction. See, if you're always winning, then you don't really understand what it is to win. you, you got to take those losses. you got to take those hits. There's got to be the valleys, the peaks, the ups, the downs. In order for you to, when it does happen, you go, wow, terrible. You know, this is what it's all about. On behalf of all of us here at Slam Radio, we would like to thank you, Pitbull, for making this dream become a reality. Slam Radio, what's up? From Enrique Santos, 2949, iHeart Latino. Alright, everybody, welcome back to TMA with Nick Hamilton here on Sirius XM, Slam Radio 145, final segment of the show. Back with my guy, Jordan L. Jones of Bel Air, who plays jazz. Let's get back into it. When I got the rail show and I was, uh, I did a chemistry with rail. Long story short, the director had me do it a hundred times. Um, oh. and not a hundred times, but like so many times I had to do like 20 times. He told me to change this, change that, uh, change this line, do it, do it this way, do it that way. So when I left out that audition, I thought I didn't get it. I ended up getting that role and I was like, yo, I thought I didn't get it. He was like, no, I want to make sure that you could take direction. Well, I want to make sure that you are hard to work with. I want to make sure all these things that are directed, it makes sense. So I'm like, okay, cool. So fast forward to the Bel Air audition. I did it with Jabari and Morgan Cooper. And after I did the first scene, Morgan was like, okay, great, second scene. And I, right there, was like, I didn't get it. I didn't get the role. And he was like, what? When I tell this story, I'm like, yeah, I thought I didn't get the role. And the second scene I did it, he was like, great job, boom. Uh, We hung up and I called my mom immediately, immediately. And I was like, I didn't get it. And she was like, did you fuck up? Like, what's what's the, like, what's the problem? And I was like, nah, um, I didn't mess up. I, he just didn't ask me anything. And you know, he doesn't know me, you know, you know what I mean? And I'm right. like, man, he's, he's not, me thinking that, oh, I know how Hollywood works. The last thing I got, they would, you know, audition me 10 times and he only did it once. So I didn't get it. I ended up getting a role, obviously. And I was talking to Morgan, uh, first day we shot. And he was like, so how'd you feel when you got the role? And I was like, well, first of all, I didn't think I got the role, first of all because he didn't ask me anything. And he was like, nah, man, um, sometimes you just have that feeling. And when you came on the screen, I knew it was you. And so I was like, wait, what? Like, it was the complete opposite. Like, two things that the serious regulars that I got. And he was like, oh, I just knew it was you. It was kind of like, hurry up. I didn't even need to see you act anymore. And I was like, wow, that's crazy. Um, so that's how I got the role. And for your second question, I'm like preparing for the role. I'll say, ironically, um, I was just myself. I haven't talked to, you know, Jeffrey, DJ Jazzy, Jeff, one of the coolest dudes ever. And, uh, yeah, he, he really, well, number one, I was kind of just myself in the audition because the show is so different. It's a drama and mm-hmm. jazz and, you know, DJ Jazzy, Jeff, 
they're different. Um, in this drama, my guy's like more of a voice of reason. And the sitcom, it's a comedy. It works better for the show. He's more like a jokester, like, you know, a bit of a joke. He doesn't get Hillary, whatever. So we were different in that realm. Of course, we have like the same swag. We still cool and stuff. But with the writing, the writing causes you to be a different character in a way. So even he told me, he was like, hey, man, I just want to say that, like, you know, keep doing what you're doing. Don't worry about doing anything. And me personally, like when I'm in the trailer or, or anything, I'll prepare for the, the scene or whatever, you know, doing the lines. I'm never, ever like, oh, how would DJ Jesse Jeff do this? And, uh, you know, how, oh, okay. I remember that one episode where it was kind of like, I'm not like that. I, I just feel like our his aura and like my aura are in a way kind of similar. We kind of bring that liveliness to the screen, and I felt like that's just who I am. So I didn't have to like change too much. And then even if I was kind of overthinking a little bit, finally getting that nod from him that no, no, just don't even worry about anything, just do you. And people, people like it. People like my character. So <laughs> I guess I guess I'm doing the right thing. No, you're doing a great job, man. The one thing I will say is that you and Jabari Banks have some incredible chemistry, man, to, to play these iconic characters. Um, what's it like? Because it seemed like the cast and stuff, I, I, me- I remember talking to Coco Jones. Um, I talked to, uh, you know, a few other cast members uh, that were on set that are part of this this great franchise. And they were all saying how you guys are really a tight-knit unit, like even off the screen. You know, you yeah. guys really vibe and gel really well. How does that come about, man? How does that help you all just, you know, be able to disseminate those characters to us watching on television? But, I mean, first of all, I think that we got so lucky because what I, what I said earlier, I really mean, like, when Morgan was like, I just knew it was you. That's hard to do, especially with COVID, you know, this quarantine thing happening. When chemistry reads her, I'm supposed to be in the room with Jabari when I'm doing the audition to get that feel and for them to actually see. And the fact that we didn't have that and that we are so close is ridiculous, man. I think that uh, I'm, I'm number one. I'm just so blessed to be a part of a cast that is so close. And all I think that just has to do with, you know, if you're not religious, I'll say like the universe. But for me, God, man, I think that, you know, I've been in a lot of stuff. And it doesn't mean people hate each other if they're not close. It's just sometimes it is what it is. It's like, hey, man, at the end of the day, I go to mm-hmm. work. I have fun at work, and then I go home, though. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. This is, I'm at work, but work don't really feel like work because I'm so close to everybody. And I feel like, well, me and Jabari, um, with this whole entire thing, I feel like in in Hollywood or in entertainment, um, there's a phrase where it's, it, it goes, art imitates life. And I think that the reason why me and Jabari are so close is because of that. I think that um, me being from LA, uh, like an LA native, mm-hmm. and uh, kind of going through what I say in the show, like this town trying to make you forget who you are, where you came from, you know. And my mom taking me out of, of public school, <clears throat> putting me in private school was so different. First time I'd been around, um, you know, a lot of white. My, some, of my, some of my best friends are white. Um, some of my best friends are gay. Um, and me coming from a public school, all black. Um, and my mom basically changing my world in a way where things were so different, um, but not changing who you are, not caring about what other people think, um, giving everybody, you know, equal, um, equal chances, um, and whatever we're doing, um, it was new for me. And I am so thankful, number one, for my mom to, in a way, broadening my horizons and doing that and opening my eyes to the world instead of just like, oh, this is just like a black community. And I'm, you know, forever indebted uh, to my mom for that. But me in that journey, you know, staying the same person, um, not caring about what people think or whatever the case may be, no matter what room that I'm in. I was never like in clicks in high school. I was like in every clique. And uh, Jabari coming from West Philadelphia, um, coming um, to LA. And the first time he was in LA was his first time being in Los Angeles. And me being in LA and me kind of being like the older brother in a way, like us mm-hmm. like hitting it off. And not me showing them around LA, but me like, you know, hey, these are the, these are the hot spots. This is what's cool, whatever the case is. And then he becomes himself. Um, I feel like that's 
so similar to the show. Mm-hmm. When that stuff like that happens, it's kind of like now on screen, now we're not acting. Of course, we see the lines and stuff, but on screen, now it's like, oh, we do this every day. We, we talk like this all the time. And um, I'm excited really for season two when um, we can really explore Will and Jazz's relationship a little more because I feel like it was it was more like Hillary, like, you know, Jazz and Hillary, that story. And uh, there was a lot of people being like, oh, like, why are Will and Jazz ain't best friends? Yeah, it's like, okay, well, it's a drama. So, like, you know, keep in mind it's got to make sense. So, like, in the first one, we all knew that Will Smith and DJ Jazz and Jeff are already friends. So mm-hmm. there was no, you know, when you when you in the sitcom, you ain't gotta explain nothing. Like there was nothing to be like. If if we just came on the screen, we were just like, yeah, that's Jesus, Jesse, Jeff. And I'm like, okay, like what was his background? What you know? But and this is different. So it's like, hey, Will and Jazz gotta go through something specific for them to, you know, really get close like that. We're also like different ages. It's not like Jazz gonna pull up to Baylor Academy all the time. But like, yo, what up? You know what I mean? Um, <laughs> So I'm excited for the fans and stuff to see that. But like, just back to how close we all are. Like, I'm really close with everybody. Like, I talk to Simone all the time. Akira's like literally my little sister. Akira plays Ashley. Love Coco. Um, we talk all the time. We're all in group chats. Me, Coco, Ali. So you know, we're all in group chats. So whenever we go on, like, uh, like we just got back from American Black Film Festival. Had a ball there. Was up till like four or five in the morning with the whole cast. It's not like we'll ever split and be like, okay, like, I'm going to go do this. Why we usually, like, have fun with each other. And uh, we talk to each other literally every day, uh, and, and depending on the group chat. But, <laughs> but yes, you know, we talk to each other every day. And like I said, it's a blessing to be able to do that because it's still a job. In the, the day, you still got to get up, do your job, go home. And my mom always says, if you love what you do, you'll never work a day in your life. And I feel like that right here. You know, we, we were talking about the other day that like we start shooting again in September, but it's been too long. Like, I'm going <laughs> to get back on set, man. And a lot of people be like, man, if you rush to your work, you got to love your job. Like, there's days where I don't shoot and I still pull up the set just to be on set. No, that's, that's a beautiful thing, man, when you yeah. actually enjoy what you do. And it shows on screen. I mean even though you guys have different roles and obviously different, there are different scenes and what have you. But the one thing I noticed that even though you said, you know, jazz, the original jazz was a comedian and he was a hustler too. But now this jazz is actually an entrepreneur. He owns a record store. Yeah. So how imperative was that for you just to showcase entrepreneurship in our community, having a a black man own something and be able to take pride in that and be able to have that disseminated to our culture and our world as well. Exactly, man, that's crazy. Like I said, art imitates life. Me just like owning property and owning a record store. It's just, it's something that's just strong about a black man um, just doing for himself and and owning property and and, and being a hustler. You know what I'm saying? Because, you know, my my mom has instilled this in me as a a black individual. You know, we got to work twice as hard um, just to get to the same door. Um, as a white person, and that's just that's just the truth. Mm-hmm. And um, in the show, I feel like jazz is a great example for. I, we talk about this all the time, and the, the Bel Air show is is about the black experience. So we can look at Will, and there's kids from like inner city who like are trying, you know, fish out of a walk, fish out of water, and they're going to a new place. Okay, this is how you can adapt. There's kids who get judged for their upbringing, like Carlton. It's like, well, I'm, I'm less black because. Why? Because I talk properly and because I know, you know, there's there's kids like that. There's the black male where, you know, we come from uh, a specific hood per se and then we get rich and then people think that we change and, and you know, it's up to you and you being, uh, you know, the person you are to either, you know, succumb to that or not. You know, we have uh, black women such as Hillary, um, you know what I mean, who are trying to make a way for themselves even though they have everything handed to themselves, you know, handed to them but they want to do something different. And I feel like I specifically speak for the hustlers, the, the kids who maybe don't have that opportunity to go to college or that opportunity to, you know, get through some private uh, institution or whatever the case is, but still you got to make it in life and that's not going to deter you from, you know, being successful. So we talk about that all the time where Bel Air is just talking about the whole black experience and that there's different types of black experience. We got Jeffrey, mm-hmm. who was like, you know, the, the European black, you know, what they go through. 
So I, I love I love the show, number one, just because we, we do that. But me specifically, I love my character because I feel like that is a lot of my friends. And, and I'm not saying like people look up to me, but I feel like I can be a great example for people who, you know, people are, oh, you didn't go to college, you're not going to make it. Oh, you didn't finish high school, you're not going to make it. It's like, mm-hmm. actually, some of the richest people ever didn't take that, you know, ABCD route, you know, and just go through everything, you know, PG King, you know. And so I feel like um, I'm a testament for those for those kids or, or those young adults. Yeah, absolutely, man. I, one last question. I'm going to hit you with a rapid fire after this, but I got to ask you this okay. question. Season two is coming. You guys are about to start shooting. I know you're on the record store. Any artists that are going to be stopping by the record store in season two that you can kind of... Man, I can't I, look, man. Just know that there are. It's gonna be because because the thing about TV too is that you do that season one, and that season one go crazy. Now season two we going crazy. We going crazier. So hopefully we got Drake in there. Hopefully we <laughs> hopefully hopefully we got Quavo. You know, but no, I mean, I uh, of course I know some things about season two, um, but I think you know I can't I can't tell y'all. Uh, everything the, to ruin the surprise, but uh, yeah, I think you're gonna you're gonna enjoy some of the special guests, um, not just at the record store, but that we have on the season. Yeah, I think you guys are gonna be uh, blown away. Well, hey man, I would love to see Kendrick Lamar stop by the record store. Just <laughs> hey, saying, just, hey, me too. That's just true. as a fan. <laughs> hey, me too. Hey, me too. Him <laughs> and DJ Quick. That's I, I, that, those okay, two right. Okay, that's a, hey, that's a good duo right there. All right, to hear more of this great interview, make sure you check me out on YouTube at youtube.com slash TV. That's youtube.com slash TV, where you can see and hear the full entire interview of Jordan L. Jones, as well as available on all streaming platforms, which is Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Google Play, Spotify, iHeartRadio, all for free 99. Now, real quick before we get on out of here, MLB snubs. Jake, I'm saying Josh Bell was a snub. I'm saying Freddie oh, Freeman was a snub. Yes. I'm saying Will Smith, who to me, it, I understand maybe it, the NL had to pick pitchers, so they got Clayton Kershaw, but I would have taken Will Smith over Clayton Kershaw. I would have found another pitcher. That's just me. I know baseball peers are going to get mad at me talking about I don't know what the hell I'm talking about. Screw y'all anyway, because <laughs> I do know what the hell I'm talking about. You just don't like what the hell I had to say. I know you know what the hell you're talking about, and I agree with a lot of what you're saying. But I think because Kershaw's at, like Boyz II Men says, the end of the road, it's L.A. He's He has a Hall of Fame career. You know, he's going to be in the Hall of Fame. Why not celebrate the man in his hometown and let him pitch? And, and yes, he himself said, don't take an all-star spot. You know, if it's going to cost somebody a spot that deserves it more than me, shouldn't do it. That's him being humble. We all know about that whole, the whole thing about being humble. However, I think it's the right move. And, and, and I think, you know, you should also start Otani as well, you know, because it's L.A. It's backyard. It's the biggest stage right now in baseball. All eyes are on Los Angeles. You got to do it. It, it. You have to do it. I know you disagree with it, but it's something you have to do. You don't have to do a damn thing. Yes. Listen, what you have to do is bring in the right people that deserve to be in the All-Star game. And I understand Bryce Harper is unfortunately injured, so that gives commit gives the commissioner an opportunity to fill that spot. And I think anybody that deserves to fill that spot is Will Smith I agree. from the LA Dodgers. I agree. Because he deserves to be there. If this All-Star game would have been in Seattle or San Diego or Miami or Washington, D.C., Clayton Kershaw would not be an All-Star but like you said, because of the politics and because of where it is, and it's his final hurrah more than likely, and Clayton Kershaw's had a brilliant career. Yes. Don't get me wrong. It's just this year I felt like there were people more deserving of that than Clayton Kershaw. There, That's just me. There were more people that were deserving. I agree with you. But, but, hey. big fat butt right here. It's L.A. It's where he's hey, put, spent his don't entire... Don't big butt in the smile. I, That's what's gotten me in trouble many years. But what I'm saying mm-hmm. is... This man, don't distract me, man. You know I like booties. So, <laughs> but here's the thing: he deserves it. It's his body of work. It's his hometown. Well, not his hometown, but where he's played his whole career. It's the big stage, man. I don't see a problem with Kershaw starting the game and, and being in the All Star game. It, it, it's not Seattle. It's not Milwaukee. It's L.A. He deserves it. Period. All right. You know who else deserves something better than what they got? 
Kelsey Plum, who was the MVP of the WNBA All-Star Game in Chicago, who got this, 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 uh, what is it? Crunch Berries, Cracker Jack type of trophy for the MVP. Oh you couldn't even gosh. fill that thing with a pound of coffee. That, that is, girl put on a in. clinic. I was there. That girl put on a clinic of epic proportion. Yes. She tied Maya Moore's record of scoring 30 points in an All-Star Game. She shot 65% from the field. She was, I mean, she didn't start off the greatest, but she finished great, and that's all that counted. Team Wilson defeated Team Stewart uh, in the All-Star game, 134-112. And like I said, she was well-deserving of the MVP award. And to me, the WNBA has got to step their game up. Get a bigger award. You saw the award, the MVP award that Steph Curry got. You can't get something larger than life like that. Then don't even bother, man. man. Like, come on, that, that Kelsey Plum deserved better than that. Come on, WNBA, <laughs> step your game up. Let's go. They had to zoom in on the award because it was so small, Dude, bro. They zoomed in on that's it. That's pathetic. It is. That girl, des- Kelsey Plum, deserves better. Any other player beyond that next year's All-Star game deserves better than that. Come on. Y'all got over $100-something million. You couldn't invest in a bigger, more distinctive, exquisite type of trophy? Mm. Come on, man. Step your game up. All right. That's all for this week's show. Thank you so much for tuning in. If you miss any portion of this broadcast, make sure you download, subscribe to us on all of the streaming platforms, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, iHeartRadio, all for free 99. I'd like to thank my special guest, Jordan L. Jones from Bel Air, who plays jazz, for joining the program this week. Thank you all for listening. Thank everybody at SiriusXM, Nightcast Media, and I'd like to thank my producer extraordinaire, engineer to the stars, Jake Warner, better known as Big Brother Jake, and all of you once again for tapping in thank you so much until next week stay sharp stay safe we in a win like paper planes y'all the views and opinions expressed on tma with nick hamilton extra dose are entirely those of the host guests and callers and do not necessarily reflect the opinions of stam radio